Chapter 14, Lost in the Woods. Here you go. That should go nicely with your costume, said the owner of Kakariko's Agithoporium, the village tailor, as he presented Link with a new hat. It looked almost identical to Link's old one, except slightly longer. He had missed his old hat, feeling incomplete without it. Navi hadn't shared his sentiment, and quickly tiring of his moping, she'd led him to the village tailor to buy a new one. The tailor seemed perplexed at the unusual order, at least until Navi said it was for a costume. You look like a forest child now, the man remarked as Link jammed the hat on. If that's what they wear. All anyone really seen of them is plays and puppet shows. Where are you from anyway, boy? Lon Lon, Link answered immediately. Navi had told him to pretend he was a Hylian child, so he didn't say that he was, in fact, a Kokiri. Link thought his new garbs made him look a little odd. He still wore his green tunic, but was also wearing a green pair of leggings to hide the scar on his leg. His boots, recently purchased from the cobbler shop, looked far shinier than the road-battered pair he'd worn before. Finishing his business with the tailor, for which he still had Impa's letter of credit, Link left the shop. Navi waited just outside the door, keeping underneath the awning to shelter from the rain. Finally! She exclaimed when she saw him. You happy now? Yeah, Link affirmed, beaming. Good. Honestly, I can't believe you're so attached to that hat, Navi muttered, flying underneath his hat. We should wait for the rain to stop before heading out. Link disregarded this advice, his grumbling stomach reminding him of a more pressing need. There would be hot food at the inn, and it was dry. Besides... He was meant to be meeting Alicia at noon. He stepped out from beneath the awning and into the muddy street. Ugh, fine. Don't blame me when you're totally drenched, Navi muttered. Soon, the icy droplets were soaking through Link's tunic. Wanting to hurry back to the inn, he quickly slipped past the occasional villager as they hastened along the nearly deserted road, just as eager to be out of the downpour as he was. His injured leg throbbed, and he limped with each step, his burned skin feeling tight, blistered, and raw. It was hard to distract himself from the pain, especially knowing that he would soon be leaving for Zora's domain. It was a two-day hike to the home of the Zora royal family, and Link wasn't sure he could fight well if he needed to. He'd be easy prey for a hungry wolfos. Link, watch out! Link became aware of a clopping of hooves and the rattling of a wagon. Abruptly, he noticed a tall horse stomping towards him. The driver was yelling obscenities at him, the kind Ingo liked to use. Link threw himself out of the way, slipping in the mud, the motion sending pain flaring down his injured leg. The wagon was rumbling past him, the driver looking down at him unapologetically as the boy clambered to his feet. Navi, luckily, had seen the danger and flown out of his pocket. She yelled several unfriendly insults back at the driver. A red-haired woman, who Link recognized from the inn, asked him what happened, and Link quickly shook off her concerned questions. Then the noon bell rang, giving Link more reason to hurry on his way. He was late, and not for the first time. They reached the inn, pushed open the front door, and entered the warm common room. Kitchen smells wafted through the air making Link more aware of just how hungry he was. The inn's common room was almost empty, 
save for the serving boy who was clearing a table. He cast Link a glance and then quickly averted his gaze. It was the same lad Link had spooked days earlier, before his journey to Death Mountain. He was sorely tempted to ask Navi if he could eat first, but he doubted she'd approve. Instead, he made his way to his room, leaving a trail of water and muddy footprints in his wake. Elysia was waiting for him. Garbed in robes to hide her wings, she barely resembled a great fairy at all. She frowned when he came in dripping wet and shivering. Then, muttering a few terse words, she disappeared out the door and soon returned carrying a towel and a potion. Drink it, Elysia urged him, handing him the vial. I didn't patch you up so that you could get yourself sick from the cold. Her admonishing tone stung, but Link managed to ignore it as he downed the vile liquid. A pleasant warmth spread through him, and soon he wasn't cold at all. There, is that better? Elysia asked. Then she shot a questioning look at Navi. Honestly, what were you thinking letting him do that? I warned him, Navi cut in. He didn't listen. Elysia sighed heavily. Well, perhaps you will have learned your lesson. She gestured towards the bed, indicating for Link to sit down. Link obeyed, making himself comfortable on the soft mattress as Navi asked, You wanted to see us? I did. Her voice sounded suddenly grim. I wanted to ensure you had everything you needed before departing for Zora's domain. And I am afraid there has been a change of plans. Link paled as her words filled him with a sense of trepidation. A change of plans? You are aware that I have had some contact with one of Lady Impa's spies? Elysia asked, to which Link gazed at Navi. She didn't look surprised and nodded. They tell me that the Zora King's daughter, Princess Ruto, is missing. Link knew almost nothing about the Zora folk, except for the one he and Malon encountered on the banks of the Zora River so it took him a moment to realize what she was talking about. Navi's response broke the momentary silence. When? She asked, and then... Was she kidnapped? Elysia shook her head. She vanished two nights ago, taking the Zora Sapphire with her, but given that she has made a habit of this sort of thing, I do not believe that she was kidnapped. It took Link longer than it should have to comprehend what that meant, and he didn't even hear the last of what Alicia said. Why hadn't the Zora kept such a precious item somewhere safe and well-guarded? If they no longer had it, then... How are we going to find the Sapphire now? He asked, feeling a sudden weight of dismay settle on him. How far could a Zora travel in two days? Fortunately, it may not be as difficult as you imagine, Alicia assured him for I know that she has traveled into the Lost Woods, and there are those who can find her easily so long as she remains there." For a moment, Link felt a glimmer of reassurance. Yes, a Kokiri who knew the woods well could track her, but then, she wasn't protected as the Kokiri were. There were wolves and other wild animals that might think of her as food. She'll be safe if she is in the Lost Woods, won't she? He asked not quite believing his own words. I mean, none of Ganondorf's people can enter them. No, but Ganondorf can, Navi reminded him. It was true. 
They both knew that the words protecting the Lost Woods could be overcome by those with a thirst for black magic, and Navi had mentioned how the Sheikah could shield their minds from its influence, if only for a short time. That meant that Ganondorf could still find her. Elysia shook her head. I doubt he would find her, personally. Impa's spies are watching him. If he left the castle to kidnap the princess, his absence would be noted. Link wondered how he could find the Zora princess. He'd just have to hope he could find her before she met someone, or something, that would do her harm. His thoughts then turned to Saria, for she knew the Lost Woods better than anyone. Saria told me she can hear the forest spirits. If she can get them to lead us to Princess Ruto, we can probably find her, Link said, his gaze directed at Navi. When he turned to Elysia, he was surprised to find that she didn't seem even slightly puzzled by what he said. Saria, the Kokiri girl? Elysia asked. Link was taken aback. How do you know her? I haven't met her. Kaipora assures me that she can help with the search and is more than capable. I believe he went to seek her out. He did? An excitement unlike anything he'd felt in days flickered inside Link. You mean I'll get to see her? Perhaps, Elysia said evenly. Kepora told me he would wait for you downriver, towards the woods. If you leave soon, he will find him well before nightfall. And just how are we going to find him? Navi asked. Just follow the river south, towards the woods. Kepora can sense the power of the stone you carry, and it will lead him to you. That didn't fill Link with a lot of confidence. He just had to hope Kepora found him? He frowned, and Alicia noticed. Don't worry, he will find you, she assured him. I will make sure you have everything you need, but then I must leave you. Can I come back and learn magic from you? Link asked, realizing that this meant it might be some time before he learned to channel magic properly. Alicia smiled warmly. If you ever find yourself on Death Mountain again... I will be happy to teach you. For now, we should get you ready to depart." That left Link feeling a little dispirited. He had no desire to climb back up Death Mountain anytime soon, even though Darunia was sure to give him a hero's welcome. Elysia wasted no time in making sure Link had the supplies he'd need when he left Kakariko. This turned out to be some rope, flint, a small knife, and some rations. If he'd hoped to find sweets or a fancy weapon, Link was left very disappointed. After he was set, cloak wrapped firmly around him, he left for the Lost Woods. It was a slow walk along the Zora River. The winter chill gnawed through his cloak and into his bones. His legs still pained him, the cold making him all the more aware of it. But Link gritted his teeth and bore it as well as he could. The hills they traversed along the banks of the river were pocketed by small thickets that dotted the hills, which soon gave way to thin woodland that stretched on by miles. Once Link passed the last of the homesteads on Kakariko's outskirts, tiny wisps of smoke billowing from their chimneys, they finally caught sight of an owl flying overhead. He knew instantly that this was Kepora, and he rose his hand in greeting as the birds circled, hooted, and then dipped towards a thick copse of trees that lay some distance away. What's he doing? Link asked. I think he wants us to follow, Navi suggested. 
Maybe we're still too close to some of the nearby farms. A short trek later, Link finally reached Kaipora. He was glad when he did, spotting the bird in the branch of an evergreen, for his leg was ablaze with pain. Link, it is good to see you, the owl hooted. Hi, Kaipora, Link said, managing to keep the pain from his voice. We were told to come and find you. And found me you have. I trust Alicia explained why you were meeting me here. Link nodded. Good. Kepora sounded pleased. There was little time to waste, I am afraid. I convinced the Zora that I would help them find their princess. But it took some time. They are not fond of birds. I can imagine, Navi replied. Saria will meet us near where she believes the princess was last seen, Kepora said. As Link subconsciously rubbed the scar on his arm, he suddenly wondered how Saria would react to the sight of his injuries. Would she berate him for not being careful? No, she wouldn't do that. Is something wrong? Kepora asked. Link hadn't realized that he'd been quiet for some moments, and Nabi was staring at him with a measure of concern. No, Link lied. Nabi opened her mouth to say something, but Link shook his head. It's fine, really. Good. Climb on my back above my wings. Try not to sit on them or pull any feathers out while you're at it, Kepora told him. Link stared doubtfully at the owl's back. Can he actually carry me? Link wondered why he had not done that before, and then realized it was probably because Kepora was taking a big risk by venturing near any farms. As he stared at Kepora's wings, he realized he was not sure how to hold on, and he sure didn't like the idea of plummeting to the earth from some great height. As if sensing his thoughts, Kepora hooted, Don't worry, I won't let you fall. I have never dropped anyone or anything. Well, except on purpose. Reluctantly, Link clambered onto Kepora's back, while Navi slipped into one pocket of his tunic. Are you afraid of heights? Kepora asked as Link grabbed a tuft of feathers in each fist. No, Link answered, almost affronted. I climb trees all the time and haven't really broken anything. Navi looked dubious. Link ignored her. Good, Kepora replied. Hold on tight, then. The owl lurched, and Link clutched his glossy feathers so tight that it was a wonder Kepora wasn't screeching in pain. He lay against the owl's body, trying to flatten himself into the feathers. The owl's wings flapped open on either side of him, and he was soaring skyward the clouds rushing closer and closer. As they ascended into the sky, the air grew icy, the wind sweeping across the owl's back, buffeting Link as he tried to tuck himself into the owl's body. With each beat of the owl's powerful wings, he was rocked back and forth, his stomach lurching with their rhythm. It was some time before Link's nerves were calm enough that he could admire the sight below. The verdant hills of Hyrule Field lay spread before him, the woods shimmered a hundred shades of green as the sun broke a gap in the clouds. To his right, rugged crags and steep hills bespeckled with tall pines and evergreens draped the countryside. Chimney smoke rose in tiny wisps from several settlements that were little more than a dark smudge amidst the endless wilderness. He caught a glimpse of Lonlon, 
but didn't dare try to look behind him to snatch a glimpse of Hyrule's capital for fear of falling. It is beautiful from up here, isn't it? Kepora asked him. Link agreed, but his teeth were chattering too much to make a coherent reply, so he grunted his assent instead. Kepora seemed pleased, hooting in response before adding, Remember this, Link. This is what you fight for. Despite understanding Kepora's meaning, Link couldn't help thinking that freezing to death on the back of an owl was hardly worth dying for. Soon, the green fields gave way to the lost woods, and all Link could see was a vast expanse of trees, broken only by the river threading its way through the woods. Way off in the distance, a second river branched off from it, gently threading its way south. taking them closer to the snow-capped peaks of the Goron Ranges. By now, the sun was setting, casting the western sky into vibrant shades of red and pink. In the distance, the Zora River ended at what Link thought was a lake tucked into the foothills of the Goron Mountains. They headed towards it for some time before Kepora dove towards a small clearing, so tiny that Link could hardly see it from their height. Then, with a thrill of dismay, he realized they were going to land. It was a quick and dizzying descent that made the bottom drop from Link's already queasy stomach. Kepora had given him no warning, and he watched the trees rush closer and closer. He imagined crashing into them, their tangled limbs dashing both him and Kepora to pieces. I think I'm going to be sick, he thought. Fortunately, Kepora slowed down, circled a few times, and then made a final dive into a glen that was occupied by a single Deku tree. Even then, it was not a gentle landing. Navi had only just left the refuge of Link's pocket when he slipped and landed with a splat on the muddy ground. Quickly picking himself up, Link brushed the sides of his tunic, achieving little more than smearing it with mud. Are you alright? Navi asked. You've gone rather green around the gills. I'm fine. Link lied, before swallowing thickly. I think I prefer horses to flying. Without another word, he turned his attention to the familiar sight, sounds, and smells of the glen. Insects hummed, and birds chirped in greeting, or squawked a challenge to any that encroached upon their territory. A small brown lizard went scurrying up the bark of the nearest tree, which looked a lot like the great Deku tree with a face carved into its trunk. It was much smaller than the ancient forest guardian. Ten Kokiri could have linked arms and formed a circle around this one's trunk. Home, he thought, a leaden weight lifting from his shoulders. He was finally home. Where exactly, he wasn't sure, but the sights and smells all told him that this was where he belonged. Where exactly are we? He wondered, snapping himself back to the task at hand before Navi could say anything. We're in one of the other Kokiri groves, Link observed, staring at the leafless boughs of the woodland giant. At first, he thought the ancient sentinel at the grove's center was dead, its limbs splayed like bony fingers twisting into the sky. He placed a hand on the trunk, and there, just at the edge of his senses, he noticed a faint humming deep within the tree, almost like distant music. If he hadn't been concentrating, he would have missed it. It's still alive! He whispered. It's just dormant, Navi said, as though she thought this would have been obvious. 
Link glanced around at the edges of the clearing, where a settlement of treehouses clung to the leafless branches. The wooden wind chimes clattered in the breeze, but there were no other sounds. The grove was deserted. Saria will be here soon. I know you probably have a lot to talk about with her, but try to keep it short, Kepora said. Just then, a scream cut through the tranquil woods. It sounded like a child, and Link's first thought was Saria, but the scream had belonged to a boy. Then Link heard the familiar howl of a wolfos. Wolfos? Link's mind reeled at the thought, fear uncoiling in the pit of his stomach. Here? That's impossible! Navi gasped. They can't get into the woods! Link didn't debate this or give any more thought of its significance. He tore towards the sound as fast as his sore leg would allow. Link, wait! Kepora screeched. Think before you act, boy! Link didn't hear those last few words, nor did he hear the rustle of wings as Kepora took flight. Somewhere ahead, amidst the dense tangle of trees and underbrush, Link could hear the wolfos barking wildly. He dashed through the settlement, foliage slapping him as he rushed towards the source of the sound. He found it quickly, just on the edge of a smaller clearing that contained several disused fire pits. No Kokiri were to be seen now. Instead, Link found himself stepping into a scene that was frightfully similar to his nightmares. There were two wolfos. One was tearing at the bark of a tree, bearing savage fangs as it tried to climb up the trunk and devour the odd childlike figure clinging to a branch just out of reach. A second skull kit lay on the ground, paralyzed as the second wolfos circled him. Both the savage beasts looked up as Kepora screeched and swooped towards them. The carnivores backed away from their would-be prey and barked savagely. Run! Link screamed at the boy on the ground. The Skull Kid didn't respond, too petrified to move. The Wolfos heard his cry and turned. Link felt like a hare trying to scare a hound. Barely, he managed to push aside the fear that threatened to engulf him, just as the Wolfos lunged. Link slipped to the side, crouching as he sent his sword into its side. Steel met flesh with a sickening crunch. The Wolfos yelped in agony and backed away. Link brought his shield up, desperate to protect his face, then dashed to one side of the hound as its claws struck his shield. Heart pounding, and without a moment's hesitation, Link jumped forward. His sword arced through the air, slashing through the hound's side again, deeper this time. Wildly, Link hacked at the wolfos again and again, blood splattering his blade, his tunic, and hands. Trembling and shocked at the ferocity with which he'd killed the animal, Link stepped back, a snarl and a howl of pain made him spin to face the final wolfos. Kepora had it in his talons, and the animal was now several feet in the air, thrashing and squirming. Kepora, now as high as the smaller trees, dropped it, letting the wolfos hit the ground, its bones shattering with an audible crack. Link ran forward, thrusting his blade straight through the beast's neck before it could even think to rise. His legs felt like jelly and he went to his knees beside the hound's corpse, his breath ragged. He finally recovered as Navi flew over to him, worry and fright plain on her face. Why did you go running off like that? She demanded. You didn't even know how many there were! You should have waited for Kepora to go first! 
That kid would not have stood a chance, Link retorted, pointing to the shivering Skull Kid who was still on the ground. I was not about to let it eat him! Or would you have rathered I did that? Link was startled by the ferocity of his own words, and felt a twinge of remorse when he saw the Skull Kid's eyes widen. You would not have been much help to either Skull Kid if there were more of those wolfos! Navi yelled back. The boy and his fairy stared angrily at each other before Navi lowered her voice. Please, Link. I don't want to go through what happened at the ranch again. I nearly lost you. Link was about to say that he had been the one who was almost killed, not her. But then the sadness in Navi's eyes made him hesitate. I'm sorry. He mumbled, his cheeks burning as he avoided Navi's gaze. It's okay. She said still sounding shaken. Her eyes trailed to the wolfos that Link had stabbed at least half a dozen times, and then back to him. A noise made her turn before she could question what he'd done. The Skull Kid on the ground was picking himself up, his eyes wider than saucers. His companion jumped down from the tree branch he had taken refuge in, and slowly walked forward. Hey, it's okay. We won't hurt you, Navi assured them. The Skull Kids looked like dilapidated scarecrows with pointy straw hats. Their green clothes, also with bits of straw poking out of them, and their pointed shoes made them look even odder. Their faces were a dark wooden texture, but what stood out most was their glowing amber eyes and their beak-like mouth. Both were regarding their saviors with wide eyes, leaning away from the Kokirian to the owl. Then one hesitated, and there was recognition in his eyes. Hey! you he squeaked you're the boy who rescued me from those kokiri boys in the woods a faint echo of a memory stirred in link's mind he did remember that it had been so long ago and life had been so much simpler then someone's coming navi's warning startled link that was when he heard running footsteps link turned around just as the newcomer emerged from a rough trail that led back to the village when he saw her, his heart leaped, a happiness surging through him that he hadn't felt in days. Saria! Words failed Link as he stood up and stared at her. He barely noticed the two wolves Saria had with her, nor did they seem interested in him. Upon seeing the danger had passed, the two wolves skulked back into the woods. Saria strode forward, Link still gaping, and they embraced. It's good to see you again, Link, she whispered softly into his ear. I've missed you. Link caught a whiff of berries from her tunic. He smiled and murmured, You too, Saria. Realizing that they were getting odd looks from the two Skull Kids, they quickly separated. Link looked into Saria's moist eyes, and some of the anxiety he'd felt for so many days seemed to melt away. Then Saria's happy smile faded, as she took in the sight of the scars on his face. You've been hurt, she whispered in horror. Whatever have you done to yourself? I can explain later, Link told her, reluctant to go into details. Saria nodded, and then her eyes fell on the two wolfos. I didn't think they were ordinary wolves when I sensed them, she said, a faint edge of fear in her voice. Are they what I think they are? Wolfos. What little color remained in Saria's face drained away. Here? By 
But that's... Impossible. Link finished for her grimly. Had his attempt to save the Great Deku Tree been for nothing? Even though the Great Deku Tree had died, Link had been assured the woods would be safe with the curse gone. But now, even that reassurance was taken from him. This no doubt means one thing. The wards that guard this realm are failing. Kapora's words were grim. Both Kokiri looked at him, and he added, This is grave news indeed. While it does not bode well for the woods, it also means that the Zora Princess is in greater danger than before, and... There are those I must warn. Of course, Saria said, and without further regard for Kapora's vague statement, she turned to the two Skull Kids. Vaspin, Varen, are you alright? The two youngsters nodded, still looking shaken. Have either of you noticed any more odd creatures roaming around? Saria continued. Seeing their eyes dart towards the trees where the wolves had vanished, Saria added, Apart from the wolves who came with me? Both Skull Kids shook their heads, still staring off into the trees. Saria followed their gaze. They won't hurt you. Link knew not to be concerned about any creatures that Saria could speak to or control. The Skull Kids, on the other hand, looked like they needed more convincing. I guess you could ask the trees if they've seen anything. Navi suggested. Couldn't you? Saria nodded and whirled around to face the nearest tree. She frowned in consternation, stepping up to the weathered trunk and placing a hand on it. It's been a while since I've tried this. Before she could do anything, one of the Skull Kids spoke up. Um, Saria? He paused as she met his gaze. There was an odd-looking creature with pinkish scales for skin roaming around. I told you not to say anything! The other youngster hissed. Nobody paid him any mind. Where? Navi asked, beating Link to say the same thing. She had a lovely sapphire on her. Vaspin went to steal it. The skull kid named Varen continued. Hey! The other kid broke in irritably. It was your idea! Did you steal it? Saria asked slowly. What? No. Some boblins caught her and threw her in a sack. That was when they sent their wolfos on us. Did you harm the Zora? Navi asked. Well, I might have hit her with a few rocks. Vaspin said rather matter-of-factly. She was a bit upset. I wonder why. Wait, you said two boblins attacked her? Link ignored Navi as he retraced the Skull Kid's words. Vaspin nodded. They had giant pigs with them, and they had huge tusks. Floors. Navi groaned. Strange. Most of them used to be terrified of this place. Link had seen the occasional wild pig in the woods, but the Kokiri kept well clear of them. We will have to catch the Boblins fast, Link decided. No doubt the creatures could cover a long distance with their steeds so there was little chance of reaching them without flying. He almost groaned at the thought. How many Boblins were there? Navi asked. Only two. Standard scouting party. Link was almost sure the owl sighed as it said this. I will look for the Boblins and find you when I have spotted them. Then I can help you grab the Zora, Kapora said. In the meantime, Saria, can your friends help us? Saria nodded. What are you two talking about? 
Link asked. The wolves. I told them to hang back so they didn't spook the Skull Kids. Saria explained. That a pack of wolves was following them sent a sliver of fear down Link's spine. The last time something like that had happened, he'd been their quarry. It's okay. They won't hurt you. Saria assured him, placing a comforting hand on his shoulder. I promise. It had been a long time since he'd heard those words. Thanks, Saria. Kepora took off, leaving Saria and Link alone with the two Skull Kids. Can you show us where you saw the Zora? Saria asked them. Vaspin nodded. Sure! It's not far! The gel Skull Kids waddled duck-like and half-hunched over, scampering along the forest floor, giving Link the impression of a hound on a trail. He kept casting the occasional glance at the deepening shadows of the surrounding woods. Once or twice, he was sure he could hear the scampering of paws and the occasional huff of their canine entourage. Link, stop looking so worried, Saria said soothingly. You weren't this jumpy when I last saw you. I... Link's voice caught in his throat. He kept walking, but abruptly stopped when he realized Saria was no longer beside him. He turned around and saw her gazing at him, concern etched on her face. Link, what's going on? She asked. There was no mistaking the demand in her voice. She wanted answers. Link took one look at the Skull Kids and walked back to her. I thought you were going to give the Kokiri Emerald to Zelda. I prayed for your safe journey, but when Kepora came to tell me you were hurt and you didn't come back, I... Her words broke as her voice went thick with emotion. I'm sorry I couldn't come earlier, Link said. I had to help Princess Zelda by getting two other stones. The Great Deku Tree said they're important, and they are in danger. I've only retrieved one so far. The Zora Princess has the other. Kepora told me about the Sapphire, Saria said. I was more worried about you, Link. Are you going to tell me what happened to you? Link sighed. He did not really want to go over some of the details, especially his near-death experience with the Wolfos and Odongo's cavern. Saria noticed his reluctance and seemed to rethink her approach. I'm sorry. You don't have to talk about it if you don't want to, she said softly. They kept walking. Can you tell me about meeting the princess? How did you find her? Actually, I think she found me. He explained his meeting with Zelda and his quest for the spiritual stones, omitting parts of the story like his encounter with the Wolfos, the Gerudo's raid on Lonlon, and nearly being turned into Kokiri Kebab by a hungry Dodongo. Saria listened without interruption until he finished, for which Link was grateful. He was pretty sure she knew he wasn't telling her everything, but she never pressed him for details. By the time Link's story was finished, they were at the stream where the two Skull Kids found the Zora. There were definite signs of a disturbance. Trampled foliage, an erratic scamper of footprints, and trees grazed by the horns of a large animal. Of Ruto or her captors, there was no sign. Link did find a pendant encrusted with mud on the edge of the creek. It was silver and had a fish symbol carved into its side. That was the Zoras! Vespin said, wandering over to Link to see what he had found. I saw it right before the Boblins chased us! He gave Link a mischievous look. Can I keep it? 
Absolutely not! Navi objected before anyone else could say anything. Saria wasn't amused, and Vaspin's sheepish grin didn't help. We'll talk about this later, she said coolly. Link, can you see anything else? Before Link could respond, he heard a hoot and looked towards the boughs of a nearby tree where Kepora had perched. The Bulblins are further downstream with the Zora, he informed them. They have made camp. If you come with me, we can rescue her. Saria, meanwhile, noticed something, and then turned towards the trees. She stiffened, and Link could see the worry on her face. What is it? he asked. The wolves have the scent. You won't get them to kill the Boblins, will you? Link asked, horrified by the mere thought of the idea. He had no desire to witness Boblins mauled. It seemed a total reversal from his encounter with them all those weeks ago. Now he was the hunter, and the Boblins were the hunted. Not if I can help it, Saria said. Link nodded, turning around to the two Skull Kids. If it came to killing, they didn't need to witness the wolves attack the Boblins. Thanks for rescuing us, Vaspin said to Link. I won't forget your help. Will you come back and visit us again? Varen asked. Nearly everyone is afraid of us. It's nice to have someone to talk to. It is, Saria replied. Now, off you go, and don't let me catch you getting up to mischief. We won't, Vaspin grinned. Link didn't believe him. He bid the two Skull Kids farewell, watched them climb into the canopy and leap effortlessly from tree to tree, and then followed Kepora down the stream. It only took another hour to find the Boblins' campsite. Sneaking close proved to be slow going, for Link and Saria hid in the tangle of dense vegetation and crawled on their bellies until they were close to the clearing, but far enough that they couldn't be seen in the light of the campfire. Then, when Kepora circled overhead, Saria tapped Link on the shoulder and pointed to a nearby tree. Up, she mouthed. Link nodded, slid as silently as he could along his belly, and made it to the foot of the tree. Then, with Saria in front, he climbed up. They'd only just started their climb when Kepora landed in one of the branches closest to them, the crunch making Link cringe. From below, one of the Bulblins grunted something. Link peered around the tree's trunk, his arms aching from clinging to the branch just above him. One of the Bulblins was staring at Kepora, but, apparently satisfied that he was just an owl, it turned away. Somewhere, Link could hear muffled sobbing, but it was difficult to make out the source. Ruto? He wondered. Saria started climbing again, and Link followed her, his boots scraping on the bark. He followed Saria onto a tree limb that ran close to Kepora's perch. It offered a good view of the campsite. There was a single tent, two boars resting at the edge of the clearing, and a cook fire with a large simmering pot hung above it. What now? Link whispered. They're waiting for their companions, Kepora said softly. There's more? Link whispered. I believe so, Kepora said solemnly, quiet enough that his voice didn't carry. Do you think Vaspin and Varen will be all right? Saria asked. If there's more... They are adept at hiding. So long as they remain hidden, the Skull Kids will be fine. Kepora turned his head to regard the camp below. I wanted to see if the other Boblins were nearby, but there appear to be only wolves. Saria, can you... 
Abruptly, Kepora stopped speaking. In the camp below, there seemed to be an argument going on between the two Bulblins. Whatever it was, they seemed to reach an agreement, for their voices lost their angry tone. The taller of the two beasts disappeared into their tent. An instant later, the muffled sobbing Link had heard turned into a high-pitched scream. Link almost fell off the branch, but Saria steadied him. Wait here, Kepora ordered, launching himself away from the tree, his wings spread wide. When Link looked again, he could see the two hideous green monsters dragging a sack unceremoniously towards the fire pit. As he realized what he was looking at, Link's stomach tightened in horror. Goddesses, Navi whispered. I think they are going to eat her. The two bulblins scrambled closer to the fire pit, dragging the bag along. They untied it, pulling out the screaming creature within. It was smaller than Link, only about half his size. He recognized the fine, pale white scales of the Zora instantly. The only difference between this Zora and the creature Link had met outside Kakariko was that her head lacked the fishtail-like appendage he'd seen. The Bulblins grabbed the Zora roughly by the arms. She screamed shrilly as her captor steered her towards the fire pit, no doubt realizing her fate. Link realized Navi was right. They were going to eat her. The Bulblins laughed raucously as the Zora kicked and screamed. Sickened, Link abandoned all caution, scrambled back and started clambering down the tree as fast as he could, oblivious to Saria's urgent whispers. Link, get back here! She hissed. More sliding than climbing down the tree, Link jumped the last few feet, landing steadily on his feet. He drew his sword, tightening his grip upon the hilt until his knuckles were white. Then he turned to the Bulblins who were still laughing at their helpless prey. Without thinking, he dashed forward, stepping into the firelight. Leave her alone! He bellowed as loud as he could. Those brave words seemed woefully inadequate as the Bulblins looked up to see the sword-bearing Kokiri running towards them. All hope of catching them unaware was gone. At the same time, and as if to answer Link's defiant cry, a chorus of howls echoed through the winter night. The Bulblins' eyes widened. At the same time, a loud screech tore through the air. Overcoming their shock, the Bulblins ran, abandoning the Zora and heading for the trees. They fled from the light of the fire and straight into the advancing wolf pack. A fully grown wolf burst from the shadows, crashing into one of the Bulblins with a snarl. Link stood rooted in horror as it ripped the Bulblins' throat with a rough shake of its head. The Zora's screams were as deafening as the howls. Despite knowing that the wolves were on his side, the swift attack of the efficient hunters was terrifying to behold. Link felt sick, and as painful memories stirred and clawed their way to the surface of his mind, he had to lean against a tree for support. Then, the second grotesque horned beast let out a scream as another wolf's fangs tore into its flesh. Shaggy, back! Saria yelled. It has a name? Link couldn't believe what he was hearing. Bile burned his throat, and he almost fell to his knees. The wolf pricked its ears in Saria's direction tilting its head curiously as though to ask, What? Wasn't I supposed to do that? The boars, meanwhile, squealed and bolted from the campsite. The wolves cut them off from Link and his companions, effectively staring them away from the Kokiri. Distracted and hungry, the wolves looked at Saria, hunting dogs waiting for their master's order. At another command from Saria, they tore off in a scampering stampede of paws and disappeared into the night. 
The sounds of the fleeing boars and the pursuing predators soon faded. Navi instantly rounded on Link, not realizing just how terrified he was. Link, you could have gotten her killed! What did I say about being careful? Navi yelled as she flew over to Link. Are you listening? She took one look at his face. He swallowed, forcing down bile with a revolted shiver, and looked. Are you alright? Navi asked him quietly, before glancing at the wolves. They're friendly. They see Kokiri as part of their pack. Friendly? Link almost laughed at the absurd statement. I had a pet wolf once, but that... He pointed in the direction the pack had gone. You called that friendly? Saria quickly came to his side. Despite how ill she looked, she didn't look nearly as troubled as Link felt. I'm sorry. I had to get them to do that to protect you and the Zora. Speaking of which... They turned to find the Zora sitting upright and looking totally stunned. Her small black eyes squinted as Link approached. Then she saw his sword and scrambled backward, coming dangerously close to the fire pit. Link stopped in his tracks, unclasped his sword and dropped it, hoping the Zora would see this as a gesture of goodwill. I won't hurt you, he said. He opened his arms wide in what he hoped was a disarming gesture. I'm not carrying anything, see? Who are you? She demanded, sparks of anger clear in her eyes. That's no way to say thank you, Navi told her. She flew up to the girl, her small arms folded across her chest. Kepora landed beside Link, and the Zora scrambled upright, screaming as she pointed at Kepora. Navi, who was used to deafening people rather than the other way around, was buffeted by Ruto screeching, Is that a giant owl? What is that doing here? What kind of freaks are you that you walk around with pet wolves and owls? You're sorcerers, aren't you? You don't need to shout! Navi shouted. And watch your language! You want us to call them back? Link asked, ignoring his fairy. Don't worry, they're friendly. The biggest one's Shaggy, and I think his brother is called Night Eyes. Link! Saria scolded him. Sorry, Link apologized. He didn't like being called a freak. Don't worry, he won't hurt you, Saria assured her. The wolves won't come back. I don't believe you, the girl shouted. What kind of weirdos are you anyway? With great difficulty, Link held back a number of rude replies that were on the tip of his tongue. We came to rescue you. Rescue me? Ruto asked, her face scrunched into a scowl. My father sent you, didn't he? I was managing just fine until those creeps kidnapped me. Princess Ruto, my lady, Kepora said, trying for a more formal approach. Your father, King Zora, is deeply concerned about your whereabouts. The Lost Woods is no place for a child. They're only children, Ruto said pointedly, poking a finger at Link and Saria. Actually, I'm older than your father, Saria told the Zora flatly. Her hands were on her hips, and she looked as irate as Navi. <laughs> yeah, right, Ruto scoffed. Saria's eyes narrowed at the blatant disrespect. Do you realize that we just saved you from becoming a roast Zora? Link asked Ruto. And you should realize that your rather heroic rescue attempt almost got me killed! Ruto replied angrily. She has a point there, Fora said. Link shot her an angry glare. You're not taking me back to my father! I don't need help, and I certainly don't want yours! Ruto burst out angrily. 
All I need to do is head back to the river and follow it upstream. I can do that on my own. And unlike you, I can swim. Then, without further warning, she turned and ran off towards the trees. Kepora screeched while Link sped after her, quickly gaining on the Zora. Once he reached her, Link tackled Ruto, and they both stumbled to the ground. Let go of me! Ruto screamed, squirming beneath Link's hold. Ouch! You're hurting me, you idiot! Stop struggling! Link retorted, picking up the kicking Zora and grunting with the effort. Deaf to his command, Ruto kept thrashing and kicking as Link lugged her back to the campfire. Then she bit him. Ah! Link howled in pain and dropped Ruto like a sack. Ruto jumped up and tried to run again, but Link quickly snatched hold of one arm. Link, what happened? Saria asked as Link pinned the squirming Zora. He was sorely tempted to sit on her until she decided to be more polite. She bit me, he said, holding out his throbbing hand. The bite wasn't serious, just a few red welts that hadn't broken the skin, but the indignation stung. You'll be fine, Saria said after a quick look. How are we going to get her back? Navi asked as Link kept Ruto down. She was putting up an impressive struggle. She'll get injured squirming in Kepora's talons like that. Link looked at the sack on the ground and the discarded rope beside it. This gave him an idea. Saria, can you pass me that rope? He pointed at the rope. It took Saria a moment to realize what he intended to do. And when she did, she wasn't thrilled. He did it anyway. Link, I'm not so sure this is a good idea. Navi said when Link had finished tying Princess Ruto's arms and legs. She had kicked, bit, cursed, and screamed the whole time. I'm sure this counts as Zora abuse, and she is the princess. The other Zora may not thank you. I agree, Saria replied, looking at the squirming Ruto, her face torn between concern and displeasure. Ruto screamed for the umpteenth time. Can we gag her, please? Link asked. Both Saria and Navi looked appalled. What? It's only while we get her to Zora's domain. The Zora might be upset at their princess being returned in such an undignified manner, Kipora said reproachfully. And as you are a representative of the Sheikah and the royal family, neither party will thank you. But I don't want to listen to this for hours! Link felt like whining. He knew Saria would get annoyed if he did, and he certainly didn't want to get into an argument with her, not when they hadn't seen each other for so many weeks. Besides, she had wolves. He didn't. Where is the stone? Navi asked suddenly. Amidst their attempt to rescue and then restrain the struggling Zora, Link had forgotten all about it. Perhaps you should ask the princess. Kipura inclined his head toward Ruto. Link doubted she would answer, but he decided to give it a try. Princess, do you have the Zora Sapphire on you? Link asked, trying to sound gentle and struggling to do so. The spiritual stone of water? The Zora's furious stare melted to surprise, and then suspicion. What do you want with it? Someone is after it, Kepora answered. Someone dangerous. We want to protect it. A short silence followed. Judging by Ruto's look of consternation, she was debating whether or not to tell them anything. The Boblins took it, she said at last. 
I was going to see if its magic could cure Lord Jabu-Jabu, but his attendant said I wasn't allowed to see him. He's been acting really weird. Lord who? Is he your father? Link asked. What? Ruto scoffed. Of course he isn't, stupid! Well, excuse me, princess! Link said sarcastically. If he isn't your father, then who is he? He is the Zora Guardian Spirit! Navi whispered into Link's ear. Had Alicia mentioned anything about that? Link couldn't remember. How do you know about that stone anyway? Ruto demanded, brutally intruding upon Link's thoughts. Only a few people are meant to know about it, and I don't think you're one of them. Princess Zelda sent me to retrieve it, Link answered, struggling to ignore Ruto's insults. Why? Ruto asked. I'm not giving it to you. It's my mother's. Or it was. Link looked at Navi for help, wondering if it were possible to explain the situation to the Zora princess. Given how young she was, Link was not sure this would be easy. He hadn't been able to make sense out of everything that he'd been told when he first began his journey beyond the woods. Allow me, Kepora offered. His gaze caused Ruto to flinch. Princess Ruto, can you tell me what is wrong with Lord Jabu Jabu? Is he sick? There, there's something inside of him, the princess explained, her words coming out in a nervous rush. It happened after this big Gerudo man came. A Gerudo man? Link interrupted. Kepora wasn't the only one who glared at him. He quickly shut his mouth, but was unable to keep the dread from showing on his face. Tell me, Princess Ruto, Kepora said slowly. Can you remember what he looked like? Kind of hard to forget. I only saw him briefly, but he had... She paused, then counted off each trait she could recall. Red hair, dark skin, yellow eyes. He also had a big nose. I've never seen someone with a nose that big. And he was creepy. Really creepy. Link shared a furtive glance with Navi. He said Lord Jabu Jabu would die from the curse if we didn't give him the stone. Ruto continued, now stumbling hastily over the words as she went on. That's what father told me. It... It's not true, is it? We want to help Lord Jabu Jabu, but we need the stone to help him. Kepora told her gently. Can you tell us where it is? If you do, then we will help in whatever way we can. Will you? Ruto asked. Kepora bobbed his head. We will. Isn't that right, Link? Uh, okay. Yeah, we'll help. Link said in the most neutral voice he could muster. He hoped this promise would not involve dealing with whatever creature was the source of the curse on Lord Jabu Jabu. He wondered if it was even a good idea. His attempt to save the Great Deku Tree had failed, and the Forest Guardian's death was a failure, no matter what Navi told him. Ruta was looking at him quietly, studying him. And then to Link's relief, she pointed towards the tent. It's over there, in that tent. Link walked over to the tent pulled the flap aside and was greeted with a putrid stench that reminded him of a manure pile. There wasn't much inside, a stained bedroll and a dirty knife secured in a tattered leather sheath. Finally, inside a small sack containing a few trophies, gems and trinkets mainly, he found three beautiful sapphires interlocked by a golden wreath, the Zora Sapphire. The stone was pleasantly cool to the touch, 
and he felt a strange sense of peace as he held it. Have you found it? Navi called, causing Link to jump. He answered her, and was pleased to leave the tent's unpleasant aroma. Rejoining the others, he showed Kepora the stone. Good, Kepora hooted. That makes all three. And you're in one piece this time. Link didn't find that remotely amusing, but was given no chance to respond. Now that your task is finished, I will take Saria back to the village. She will need to warn the other Kokiri if foul creatures are already roaming the woods, Kepora said. Stay here. I will return for you shortly. Both Link and Saria shared a look of dismay. When I have returned the stones to Zelda, I'll come and visit, Link told her. His heart ached as he realized they would once again part ways. They'd only seen each other for a few precious hours, if even that. Saria didn't quite meet his eyes. Fora's troubled expression told Link all was not well. And not just because of the threat the Bulblins now posed. What's wrong? He asked, Saria looking away from him. It's Mido, isn't it? He banished you, Saria whispered. After you left. What? Link felt as though he had just been clubbed by one of the Bulblins. Saria's words threatened to open old wounds and painful memories of what should have been the happiest days in his life. He'd just been given a fairy, which officially marked him as a member of the Kokiri tribe, and it should have been a day of celebration. Instead, Link's mind tormented him with images of the Kokiri staring at him, judging him for his failure to save the Forest Guardian. He can't do that! Navi exclaimed. It's not his call! The Great Deku Tree put you in charge! Mido doesn't believe that, Saria said sadly. I'm sorry, Link. Mido's threatened to have you killed if you came back. I'd probably be able to stop him, but not some of the others. That's going a bit far, Navi said. She looked at Link next. Give it time. He will get over it. I hope so, Link replied quietly. His eyes were prickling as he fought the urge to cry. Did Mido really hate him so much? The boy had been a bully. But Link had never expected this from him. He had injured Mido badly in their fight, but Saria knew he'd never meant to go so far. If you play my song from the Sacred Forest Meadow, I will come, Saria said. She embraced Link again. I'm sorry I told you about Mido. I shouldn't have said anything. It's not your fault, Link told her. They let go. Saria beamed at him sadly before mounting Kepora. I will return soon, Kepora assured him before taking off. Then Link watched as both the owl and Saria disappeared into the night. Link sat down by the fire glumly, still trying to process the fact that he could not go home, not without coming to blows with Mido again. I'm sorry, Link, Navi whispered as she landed on his shoulder. Link didn't reply. He looked up at Ruto, who was staring at him. She was quiet now, and Link had a feeling she had been listening in on his conversation with Saria. For a moment, Link thought she pitied him, but then her eyes flickered to the sapphire still clutched in his hand. I guess you'll be wanting this back? He said, staring at the gleaming sapphires. Just as he got up, he heard a stick snap. Nine Zora, their skin milky white, 
stepped into the pool of light that surrounded the fire pit. All of them were dressed in blue armor that resembled fish scales, and they were all holding long spears. Seize him! One of the Zora cried. Five of the Zora leaped forward. Link instinctively went to draw his sword. Hand halfway to the hilt, he hesitated. There was no way he could take on this many Zora, and it would be a poor way to earn their trust or ask if he could have Ruto's amulet. Before he could do anything else, three Zora grabbed him roughly by the shoulders, secured his hands, and pushed him to his knees. One jabbed a spear into his back, and Link could feel it against his skin, but was too stunned to fully comprehend what was happening. Navi gave a shout of horror, all of this unfolding within a mere few heartbeats. Wait, stop! It wasn't him! Ruto screamed. Princess Ruto, are you alright? Link jerked his head to his left to see one of the Zora delicately removing the ropes binding the young Zora. Grop, you don't understand! He wasn't the one who kidnapped me! She said loudly, pointing to Link. None of the Zora seemed to believe her. He must have done something to her mind, one of the Zora reasoned. It was not me! Link pointed toward the corpses of the two Boblins. I was rescuing her! Then tell me how you came by this, the Zora in front of Link asked. One of the Zora snatched Ruto's sapphire from his hand. Then he seized the pendant that Link had placed in his pocket. It was taken from her, Link insisted. I swear it wasn't me! The one named Grop came over. He stared for some time, looking Link up and down. Let the king decide his innocence. Bring him, Grop ordered. One of the Zora raised their spear. Link's heart thundered in his chest, and for a horrible second, he thought the Zora would spear him. No, don't hurt him! Ruto yelled, apparently coming to a similar conclusion. Princess, calm down, Grop ordered her. As Ruto's yells fell on deaf ears, Link's captor whacked the butt of his spear across the boy's head. <laughs>